Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Josh Brown, what would it take for you to buy Sonic Frontiers? It would take you um, maybe playing through <laughs> three games of my choice. Ooh, I think that's fair. I'll take that. You'll take it. I'll take that back. I haven't told you how long those games might be. They no. could be 100 hours each for all you know. <laughs> it will take me... Uh, t- Okay, Go here's a deal I'm going to make with you right yeah. now. I will play Sonic Frontiers. Forget the other two games. Okay. If you play all the way to completion... Yeah. Prey 2017. I was going to say, yeah, I would totally play Prey. I will absolutely trade you Prey for Sonic Frontiers. I think that's a deal. Just for the absolute hashtag pop of you playing through a Sonic game. Just because I I mean, the thing is, I'm mentioning Frontiers. uh, At this stage, when this audio goes live, there should be uh, me and Jules' hands on thing from EGX, which is the big old games expo that took place in London um, across the weekend and the last weekend that me and Jules and Sly went down to. And um, they had Sonic Frontiers there, mate. It was a big thing. They didn't say it was going to be there the last couple of weeks. And it was the only place you can play it in all of the UK. It's the first time it's been here. I know you were really looking forward to this Scott Taylor. The only reason I'm alive. Exactly that. Right and now, I saw the lovely um, picture that you took outside the booth <laughs> of you right next to the Sonic Frontiers uh, logo. And yep. I've never seen joy quite like it, <laughs> quite frankly. And to be honest, I don't think anyone knows this yet unless mm. you've watched the video that you have done with Jules. Yes. But you keep making some outrageous claims <laughs> about Sonic Frontiers <laughs> to me personally that I cannot... Fathom, to be I'll honest. Sanction this buffoonery. The uh, it's it's one of those things. If you're a Sonic fan, you know how like ninety percent terrible the vast majority of it is. You know you can hold up the original trilogy, you can hold up the Sonic Boom TV show, but you can't really hold Sonic Mania. You can hold up as well. That's almost it. Yeah. Like Sonic Generations is up there, but everything else is just a bit terrible. But you just take what you can get because it's Sonic, and like, it's one of those things where maybe you grew up with the character or whatever. You like the idea of going fast. Like, the music maybe music's like the only consistent thing yeah. the whole way through. Like the John Williams of uh, video game scores. And so it's one of those things where you just kind of get in that mindset of like, when it's even remotely actually good, you can just stretch that out to be like, maybe this is brilliant, guys. Maybe this is actually the best one. You know how a few years ago we had the year of Spider-Man, where we had a bunch of Spider-Man movies. We had like Venom. We had uh, some Spider-Man games. And it Mm -hmm. just felt like that character had dominated the year. Even though I'm not a Sonic fan necessarily, Mm. this year feels like Sonic has kind of dominated the dialogue, you know, with the Sonic the Hedgehog 2 movie coming Mm -hmm. out, with uh, the Sonic Origins collection that was released, Mm -hmm. and now Sonic... Sonic Frontiers at the end of this year, mm-hmm. it feels like this character in this series has been a talking point for the past 12 months, totally. uh, which is kind of strange for me as an outsider because mm-hmm. I kind of want to get in on it, but also it's daunting. <laughs> the thing is, I'll get to specifics with Sonic because there are some things that I thought were genuinely impressive. Um, but the thing is, like, Sega treated Sonic terribly. Like, you look at their, um, oh, was it the 15th anniversary or the 25th? I think it was the 25th anniversary, um, which Kirby Cat did a whole montage video of. It's one of the yes. most cringiest things you'll ever see. I've seen that. That's 
was terrible. And um, the audio for it was completely broken throughout the entire stream. There's just a buzz throughout it because they didn't fix it because they don't care. Like, say, for whatever reason, Sega, again, for whatever reason, just don't respect the fact that Sonic helped put them on the map. They just don't care about him. It feels a little bit, and again, it is an outsider yeah. to me, kind of how Konami tret Silent Hill in mm. like the late 2000s where it should have been a bigger deal than yeah. it was. And obviously it still had its hardcore fans. Mm-hmm. And I would say that Sonic's obviously stayed around and be stayed more relevant than Silent Hill is at yep. the, more, uh, this moment in time. Sorry, mm. I can't speak right now. Yes, that's the effect that Sonic has on people. I've not eaten yet, and he goes too <laughs> fast for me to keep up with him. But we it sort of feels in. like a similar situation where the publisher has this kind of gold mine, essentially, mm. and could be producing quality, but almost categorically refuse not to at every <laughs> single uh, stage. Every That's the thing. Like I said, it's very rare that you can hold up a Sonic game and be like, is this actually any good? Um, and yeah, me and Sai both played uh, the Frontiers demo, and we both just looked at each other after it was finished just sort of going like that was brilliant is that that was actually really good um so the th- things that i think are genuinely really fun is the their attempt at a gameplay loop comprising breath of the wild style sort of ambient exploration let's say where you've got this big open world where it's just a big old green field bunch of mountains whatever with very dissonant you know ambient background music and you're just it's just open for you to explore um but everything is quite rewarding in regards to showering you with collectibles and everything's exploding um which combined with a really tight combat system that's what i didn't see coming i didn't think that they would have nailed um, a solid melee system in a Sonic game. And I mentioned this in the, in the uh, News Hands-On video. Um, but you can parry. You can do like a parry counter finisher in a Sonic game. I just didn't see that coming. Um, you can do a whole bunch of um, like melee combos, punches and kicks and stuff. I know this sounds like the most basic thing in the world, yeah. but for a Sonic game, like it feels like you're taking Smash Brothers Sonic and putting him in an open world. Um, and also the new abilities, like one of them is uh, called the Psy Loop, which is, um, you know, you can hold a button down when you're running and you start putting out like a beam behind you and then you just run in a circle and uh, make it like a loop around an enemy and that's a co- that's a launcher like it knocks the enemy up into the sky which you can then jump up after them and do like a homing like bounce in midair and I was like that's just such a cool combat thing yeah. that only really Sonic does and you, you do more of that in Smash Brothers where you're trying to like combo off dudes in midair because um, most of the time in regular Sonics they're just one hit kills or whatever but because um, you're able to chain all that stuff together and you're doing like essentially melee finishes waiting to parry someone you know doing the launcher doing the side loops and everything I was like, this is actually a really good combat system. And it feels like Sonic. Right. Like, it feels like, you know, it, like, and also like that kind of goes hand in hand with just how snappy the exploration is, and how fast it is. Um, and we were playing on PS5, but like it's, if the hardware can keep up, then we've never really had a big open expanse where sprinting around as Sonic felt like Sonic. Like it was always just a slightly faster open world 3D platform, a slightly faster Mario 64. Yeah. Whereas now you have the tech, you have the SSD stuff that can load the levels in and you can just blast around hoovering up stuff, kicking dudes. Well, it's good. Tell me about those levels, right? Yes. Because obviously when this game was first announced and we got our first look at the very first trailers, mm. the big criticism was that the world seems <laughs> like really sparse yeah. and that there wasn't much to do in it. Obviously, later gameplay trailers um, since that initial drop have been more promising, mm. but now that you've had hands on yourself, is that still an issue? You mentioned being showered with collectibles and mm. whatnot. Is it, does it feel like a rewarding space to go fast in? Yeah, it's, it's weird the fact that it works besides the fact that there's no through line art direction 
direction. Like as much as at the beginning when, uh, I can't mention this in the news video, but when IGN were given the, the hands-on exclusive thing, um, that was very old, very early build of the game. And it just looked like an Unreal Engine asset video. It's like here's an empty space and a bunch of grind rails and a bunch of crates and whatever. And that's still like overall as an art direction, it still has that. It's still an open space with a bunch of stuff. There's more stuff now. There's right. more rails, there's more boost pads, there's more enemies to uh, bounce off or there's more balloons that you can use to like, you know, chain an attack together or chain like an exploration move together or whatever. Um, but it, it's almost incongruous because it is just a big space with a bunch of stuff. It's a bunch of almost recognizable Sonic stuff, like the boost pads or whatever. Um, but it's just, it's it's weird because it still works because it's so responsive and satisfying to just be Sonic in a big open world space. You still have fun with it. Um, but I think it's just one of those things where they seem to be hanging the entire um, game on this idea of this villain who can conjure a bunch of stuff up from cyberspace. And that's how they get you to go through certain portals and beam back into classic levels or new levels that are all just the, the camera's just over your shoulder and it's just it's a standard 3D Sonic level you're just sprinting through something yeah. trying to get a high score or whatever um, but everything hinges on what if someone could just summon in a bunch of random assets and it's its greatest strength because it's just a fun sandbox of Sonic stuff but it's also completely messy and like it has no through line vision whatsoever I cannot wait until we have <laughs> our end of year discussions and you were sat on this very same table yes. and you were telling me that Sonic Frontiers did more original things than God of War Ragnarok. I can envision it so clearly. The right thing now. is, if we're talking about originality, again, you talk about the, I talk about the way that Sega treats Sonic. All they ever do is like, okay, what's working? Right, let's do one of them. Like Sonic Unleashed, it was like, it mentioned God of War. Old school God of War top down camera or isometric camera with a bunch of combos. Sonic Unleashed attempted that very directly. That's nearly always what they do. Um, in this game's case, it's obviously very Breath of the Wild. Even the stamina meter is a circle with a hole in it, like it is in Breath right. of the Wild. Um, you've got the Death Stranding 3D printing stuff. Do you um, now? Literally, like literally down to like the same, uh, it's like a green beam that produces like a bridge between chasms so you can then just get across them easier. Hang on, this is changing everything. <laughs> so you're telling me that mechanic alongside with like just the look of the environment, you know, the kind of mountainous regions uh -huh. that you get from something and like Death Stranding. Is this the secret Death Stranding game I, that I have been wanting? I wish I'd thought about this more when I went in. I was just very giddy after playing it. But like thinking about it now with a bit of distance from playing it, um, it's that bit's very Death Stranding like you said big mountainous region and when you uncover other characters like Amy Rose Knuckles whatever they appear to you in holograms just like in Death Stranding they even look the same blue hue style right. um, Big the Cat is there really because you do a fishing mini game with him but Amy Rose pops up as a hologram is Sonic Frontiers the next Death Stranding? Yeah. I think that should be the title of the podcast mm. when I eventually play it and you play a <laughs> prayer. Because if this is, my friend, the Death Stranding sequel that I have wanted for three years now, <laughs> I'm going to have to buy it. I'm just going to have to. I will say that, like, you know, some of the um, the treadmill that you got lost in on, lost on in Death Stranding was fetch quests that were, you know, they should be the most boring thing in gaming history. But because it was done so satisfyingly and traversing that terrain was so satisfying, you didn't mind picking ponging between different people because it was always a unique way of getting from A to B. Um, Sonic doesn't necessarily have that because you have specific grind rails and specific paths, but you can make a point of trying to jump over or up mountains that you couldn't get to. Um, I did hit an invisible ceiling when I started doing that, so I was like, you don't want me exploring that much in this right. open world. Um, but I was going to say, if they put in a bunch of satisfying fetch quests tied to abilities um, in, and it's as fun to get around as it is already in the, the first 15 minutes of Frontiers, then that would be very, very satisfying, and I would take that. That was the thing with Frontiers. I was playing this, experiencing all these different systems and just thinking, I can't wait to attempt, I want to 100% this. I yes. want to do everything. Like, it's just so Moorish. Well, you mentioned there about um, some of the activities that you're getting up to and the potential objectives. Mm. Like, did you 
tamper or did you get to tinker much with like the actual mission design itself? Because you mentioned yeah. a, a, a fishing mini game uh-huh. in there. And quite frankly, if I never have to play a fishing Don't mini game. Don't you dare slag off fishing mini games. In an open world game ever again, <sighs> I will have played too many already, is what I'm trying to say. Because some of them are good, Scott, but most of them are bad. And oh. how does Sonic line up in that regard? I'd say the only bad one is the one in Nier Automata, which in itself was made as a joke because uh, <laughs> Yoko Taro hates fishing minigames as well um, and was like, there should be one in here because it's an RPG and then it's terrible because you just throw your drone into some puddles and then nothing happens and it's like, cool. This is classic us because that's one of the only ones I've ever put time into, the Nier Automata one. Okay. Because it's just, you know, I thought, why not? I'm enjoying this game so no, much. No, that game was made, that, it was made as a joke, mate. You well, want to get on Stardew Valley's one? I don't want to ever play Cult Stardew of the Lamb. Valley. I'll, <laughs> I'll play Cult of the Lamb, perhaps. I like the one in Dragon Ball Z Kakarot to bring Dragon Ball Z back up in yeah. this game again. You have a pretendy tail, and you fish with your own tail, which sounds horrible when you just say <laughs> it like that, but it's you know it's a monkey tail, so it works. I do like a monkey tail. I think the um, Dragon Ball Kakarot's one is a, a fishing minigame upstaged by its own animation, where like yeah. you're not the actual mechanic is nothing. You're just pushing a button, and you get a fish. Whereas in Stardew or Cult of the Lamb, you've got to balance a little meter, and you got to like get the hook in the middle of the meter and then you got to balance it with the analog stick like there's a there's a whole fish in a minigame thing I'm going off out there. on a tangent right now but Go I on. think you can split people into two camps of whether they like a fishing minigame or whether they don't yeah. when you hit that mission in Red Dead Redemption uh, 2 yeah. when you end up finishing like a shootout or something and I think you're with Dutch and one other character and they ask you hey do you want to spend some time doing some fishing right now and you get the option to say yes or no mm. and if you say no to that I think you might be a criminal because that's such a nice scene. It is a very nice scene. I think uh, in Red, T- Red Dead 2 as well, you get to do that scene where you take, what's, uh, is it little Jack Marsden? Yes. Yes, yes. you take him to go fish as well. And it's like, uh, yeah, in that game, it's used as like a juxtaposition to how incredibly tumultuous a lot of that game's tone is otherwise. Sonic, um, the <laughs> what a comparison, Red Dead Redemption 2's fishing to Sonic Frontier's fishing. Um, Big the Cat, sadly, was not in the demo that I played unless he was hidden somewhere. I did play it twice. Um, <laughs> I, had, I had to go around EGX to play it twice. Um, but yeah, I think what they're aiming for, for as much as you can point at, like that's Death Stranding, that's Breath of the Wild, um, whatever, they do have things that are progressing Sonic for the first time in 31 years. How has it taken three decades for him to get a cool signature move reliant on him running around people and then launching them? Like, why has that never been a thing before? Tell me this. Uh, this is a uh, work in progress thought right now. It's just a, it's a baseless hypothesis mm. that I've just conjured in my brain. <laughs> yeah. Is 2022 the year of big franchise changes because we've got Sonic Frontiers literally jumping into a new frontier with this game (laughs) and we had Pokemon Arceus very true is that how you pronounce it honestly Nintendo themselves have said Arceus and Arceus but I prefer Arceus yeah let's go for that because otherwise it sounds a bit too rude a little bit Um, yeah even that game you know kind of branching out and giving more mechanical depth to a series that has played to Mm. a formula for so many years is this what we're going to start seeing with more historical franchises going forward maybe I feel like that's the thing it's like is the pandemic or was the pandemic this big sort of like distance from the way things were done for a lot of devs I mean it's interesting that's an interesting way to frame it because I'm going to talk about Street Fighter 6 in a mo and that game is massively different too um, you know like same as in the fighting space like Tekken 7 or Mortal Kombat 11 where they've just changed the way that you're metering out your special moves like in MK11 it's like you have a specific meter that is burned for offensive stuff or defensive stuff I think they're separate uh, segments but you can only you know you can only block something definitively a couple of times um, Street Fighter 6 
six has the same thing. But like, yeah, I mean, I think in regards to Sonic, they've always wanted to do a big space and let you run around like Sonic Adventure or Sonic 2006 or whatever. And they've just either never had the tech or because they're Sega, they never put the time in to actually refine it properly. If you go back to Sonic Adventure now, yeah. that's some of the worst ways to spend time on this earth. Like, <laughs> I, I hate that thing. But I came I came to it in 2022. I never had a Dreamcast. So I went back to it and I was like, this is what people liked. Like, right. so, what? Like, the opening couple of levels is cool. The whale level's cool. And the San Francisco level's cool. But just play the Sonic Generations version. Oh, my days. Um, at the end of this year, once you've finished Sonic Frontiers and Hell got yeah. your 100%, 100%. Um, you need to rank every Sonic game because you've played them all this year. <laughs> you need to make that into content, my friend. I would love, the thing is, I would love to stream all of them in a row. I think I'll do that as like a challenge nice. uh, and grab you and grab Jules and get people who aren't Sonic fans. Me and Sai love Sonic. So that's 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 an absolute walk in the park. Listen, you can attempt to grab me. Yeah. Whether you're going to be able to, you know, get a firm grip on my arm <laughs> as I sprint in the opposite direction is, it, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I'll just run through the city screaming Sonic heroes until you eventually <laughs> turn back around again. Um, but yes, we, um, I didn't even introduce the show. I'm Scott Tilford. You're Jules. Uh, you're not Jules. I am Jules. You're, <laughs> this whole time you've been Jules. That's how adult I am. I got stuck on a platform for two hours trying to get home yesterday. <laughs> yes. Didn't get home until half one in the morning, had five hours of sleep, came back in here. Um, but yes, this is the wind-up where we all go through, uh, we all go through, whatever the latest news and talking points are in the industry and whatever the latest games are that we've been playing. Um, you're Josh Brown. I certainly am. The best one. Unless I'm Jules Gill, which I sometimes <laughs> like Only to, on Fridays. Uh, only yeah, when, only I, I when do steal his identity when I'm going out yes. on, the, on the lash so the police don't come after me the day after. Yes, you can squeeze out of any, uh, any chokeholds that you might need to. I, that was a bold joke I was going for there. <laughs> I thought if they were going to get him in a headlock and he'd pop out. I was thinking just like, like public urination. I wasn't I wasn't going for uh, assault. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I wanted to shout out um, EJX in general. I think you were going to ask me stuff about it. Yeah. EJX was lovely. No, I really was because obviously uh, you guys went down to do that show at the weekend yes. and I was very jealous because I wanted to go but unfortunately <laughs> had double booked myself mm-hmm. and me and you, Scott, Despite working together for five years now, we have never yes. done an event together, no. which is nuts considering how much and how intimately we work together on a I day-to-day know. basis. We've never, the, the 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 moons have never aligned to the point where we've gone to a gaming I thing was, and, and enjoyed ourselves. You're definitely right for the vast majority. No, oh no, I'm thinking of when uh, we reviewed that. What was that movie we reviewed that I hated and you didn't mind? Was it Doctor Strange? Doctor Strange. Oh, I think yeah. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did that together. But I was, uh, yeah, in terms of game stuff, we've, the, the stars had never aligned in that way. They almost did for this. They did. Um, because we needed a, we did a big stage show. We uh, advertised Republic of Jungle, which is uh, like a whole game about trusting people and going on missions or all leaking information and whether or not you can trust the person next to you. It's really, really cool. Um, only in beta at the minute. I think the full release is next year. Um, but as part of the rollout for that, um, EGX uh, slash um, Goodoo Games set up this whole stage show thing, um, which they, the EGX, the venue, they upgraded us and put us in a bigger theater, which I was, I didn't think anyone, but I'm always going to skew low. I was like, I'll be super happy and amazed if one person turns up. Yes. Um, and thankfully we filled the thing. So I think it was like maybe the back couple of rows weren't filled, but it felt filled, which I'll take. Um, so that was really awesome. So, um, and yeah, getting to meet everybody afterwards, that whole thing was absolutely lovely. Didn't see that coming. Uh, always hope for it. It's an absolute honor to be seen by anyone. Yes. So, uh, so that was incredible. So yeah, I think uh, we'll try and do it again next year. We'll do it properly. We'll plan it more and you'll be there. I may be. I mean, yeah. something will happen. 
happen again because <laughs> I don't want to jinx anything at this stage. If Slaughter yes. Beach Dog come in Newcastle, you will not be there. <laughs> I will not be there. And you know what? I'll have to make peace with it. But yes, I just wanted to ask you about the show itself because obviously, you know, we've wanted to do events like this for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the pandemic happened where a lot of events like this were shifted online. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of want to ask you like what it was like just being at a show like this mm. after so long away getting to play stuff like Sonic Frontiers. And yeah, that- it's, I'm, fr- I'm phrasing this and it sounds like I'm doing an ad for EGX. <laughs> that's not the case. I'm just genuinely interested. What would you give EGX out of five? I think, <laughs> uh, no, that's the thing. It was a weird feeling because we used to do EGX every year, but the last one we did, I think was 2019. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like it's been a couple of years and I always had this feeling the first time I went to EGX when me and Jules did it in like 2017 or whatever it was, where you go through, um, you know, whatever the arena is and you see all the signage and all the big models and everyone is, you know, it's an exhibition. So everyone every game dev has like massive models of whatever their characters are and maybe it was 2015 or 16 because I remember this I remember seeing a bunch of Overwatch characters and everyone was other like fans were in cosplay and there was a whole bunch of games that were all there and I just remember thinking like my people I'm home <laughs> I remember like this is the kind of the people that I want to be around like I want to go and play a bunch of games talk about a bunch of games everyone is super friendly and that, that kind of goes across various different places whether you're going to Gamescom or EGX or whatever um, but that was definitely the case at this EGX people are just happy to be there Yeah, um, I think that this year's EGX was kind of like a transitionary thing. Um, I mean, they didn't announce which massive games were going to be there until a few, like even a few weeks before the show. But in a way, it worked in their favor because it was like everyone's kind of pulling in together, having more conversations, and everyone is there for the games or whichever exhibitors are going to be there. So it kind of became more cozy inadvertently, even though you had like, you know, more space in between some of the booths and stuff. It kind of encouraged you to be like, why are you here? Well, I'm here for this. Okay, let's talk about that. That's cool. Um, and so that stuff was cool. And yeah, in terms of the stage stuff, we've mentioned doing like a live podcast, which at some point we will do. Uh, we'll do a live wind up I, we, me and you were saying before recording that we should do something where we take suggestions on contentious topics from the <laughs> audience and we'll debate them out um, in uh, in real time or whatever across some sort of slot I always the like future. the idea of sort of trying to do a, a pointless-esque thing where we can <laughs> debate those topics yes. and then in front of the audience and then have the audience itself be oh, they vote and they, they they vote beforehand and then we get to reveal after we've had our discussion Ooh. what or who yeah. the audience sided with before we started I think that's quite interesting that's very very cool we did some sort of technology thing for that like a little buzzer you could push or like maybe some sort of website url you can go on and yes. a, push a button or something i don't well, know in my university lectures go on seven years ago <laughs> in my psychology lectures we used to all get clickers every friday yes and we would have to do a little test by clicking a b or c maybe and made a little chart yeah, a little yeah. chat. Maybe we could appropriate that technology. Maybe. Uh, and do that. Yeah, if we book it at some place that already has a bunch of clickers, yeah. then uh, we can do that. Not at Naughty Dog's offices. Hey. Ha, very they're, good. Because it's full of clickers. That's very you good. You've got to find a better place. I enjoyed that. Sorry, I'm so slow on the uptake today. It's, I am kind of, I'm powered by coffee and a love of Sonic and a realization that Street Fighter Six is, again, game of the year. I mean, I don't know how many times I can label something. This is getting confusing now because you said <laughs> both Sonic Frontiers and um, Street Fighter 6 yep. are both game of the year. Such is the fractured five-hour sleep mindset that I have. Okay. But Street Fighter 6 is incredible. Again, I'd point you to the hands-on video that me and Jules did. Now, Jules is a huge Street Fighter fan, so he played a lot more than I did and um, played a lot more rounds in between uh, before I arrived and stuff like that. And then me and Sai played a whole bunch after Jules went home. Um, do you have any Street Fighter questions? Yeah, I, what is yeah. this new game? Because I like <laughs> the look of it. Yeah. But it seems like such a 
strange mixture of aesthetics and gameplay sensibilities. Like, mm. what is? Did you get much time with the sort of single player open world stuff? Or no, was it, it was literally all versus. just the fighting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like they had six characters, uh, four stages, um, and yeah, like you could try the, the new control scheme. It was like modern controls, classic controls. Um, but you could just uh, you could just do as much as much fighting as you want in a versus capacity. Well, tell me this because I've never been a huge Street Fighter fan mm. because I'm bad at it, not because <laughs> I don't want to be a Street Fighter fan. Mm-hmm. But I only played two, four, didn't touch five. Uh, so what is this bringing to the table that could attract someone like me who wants to get into the franchise mm-hmm. but has always been incredibly intimidated by it? Well, that was what, because um, that's, that's the thing. I've always been a Tekken guy or a Mortal Kombat guy or back in the day a Dead or Alive guy. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, This one, as much as I have still then played all the Street Fighters, it just didn't click. This one is the most immediately, oh my God, this is perfect feeling I've had in a good long while. Um, Because I feel like, I mean, I always loved the art style they brought in with 4, and then it was sort of like expanded on in 5. And so with this one, um, it's one of those things where I think the animation matches the fluidity they have in terms of how inky and like over the top a lot of the animation is. Like, you know, when you do a punch as Ryu, you can see it cut the air as it like, as it lands on a guy. Um, And like, obviously, everyone's faces are all over the top their eyes are popping out their head like there's just a there's a level of like almost anime infusion to Street Fighter that I think works really really well yeah. um, but in terms of the control schemes and everything or in terms of the immediacy it is just jump in and play like you know Sai was saying that they don't really play very many fighting games and we just ended up doing a bunch of matches um, and they were like this might be something that I just dive on immediately um, because I've not played any of the other ones and so I think that it's a weird thing with Street Fighter because it's so frame data dependent like of all the influences Street Fighter's had on the 
the genre, um, it's all been like, okay, this ma- this move takes up 18 frames, so I want to make sure I do something that does 17 frames, and then I want to make sure I get in there first. I hate that stuff, or like, I'm not going to get bogged down in it. It makes me cry. Yeah. <laughs> it does. <laughs> so I think like in this regard, they've tried to get away from that and just got back to the immediacy and, and remembering what Street Fighter is. Like, it's the absolute king, or it almost should be, and I feel like they're gunning for that crown again. It's like, here's this gorgeous game that plays immediately really, really well. There's a whole other control scheme if you don't want to play the old school stuff. Yeah. Um, if you don't want to use the shoulder buttons for heavy attacks or whatever, um, you can just jump in. And they've um, got a whole bunch of new systems uh, called the drive gauge, which is used for drive impacts. And I forget what the other one is, but there's a defensive thing, which either means that you're burning this meter to um, do an unblockable attack, or you can uh, store it and do a parry. There's other uses for it as well, like um, making certain attacks more powerful and stuff. But it means that you can just tank a hit and knock someone out if you're if they're right close to being defeated anyway, um, which is a fun use of that move. But it doesn't do too much damage. So it's still like fights last a nice amount of time. Um, yeah, I just feel like in a, in a, in a uh, space that's co- occupied by Tekken 7 and Mortal Kombat 11, they've made little changes to the core of Street Fighter that bring it up to that level. This is what I was going to get into next because mm. it feels like fighting game fans are eating incredibly well at this well. moment in time. For me, as a kind of fighting game novice, I always <laughs> thought that Mortal Kombat as a series since 9, 10, and especially mm. 11 just raised the bar compared to the competition so much that mm. it almost felt like games like Tekken 7 and uh, games like Street Fighter 5 for as quality as they might have been mm. felt a little bit archaic felt okay. a little bit stuck in the past at least for me personally you know Street Fighter 5 obviously had the whole exclusivity thing yeah. it uh, came out initially with a lack of content Street Fighter 7 was obviously a success but even Tekken that seven. second 7 sorry yeah <laughs> Tekken 7 was obviously a success mm-hmm. but it felt to me more catered towards like the hardcore fans and right, they right. kind of appreciated that but it mm. didn't feel like it had this big mainstream pull in the same way that you know Tekken 3 had or Tekken 4 or whatever but now with mm. Tekken 8 and with Street Fighter 6 it feels like both of those games at least to me from the trailers and the gameplay that we have seen mm-hmm. are positioning themselves as proper rivals in terms of budget and uh, kind of resources to Mortal Kombat 11 now. Mm. See, that's the thing. I, yeah, I think NetherRealm have been the king of the genre for a good long while. Although Tekken 7 is interesting because um, Katsuhiro Harada and Namco said they didn't expect it to take off as much as it did. It's why they ended up doing another season of new characters and they created um, a whole bunch of new characters and everything for that. And so it, 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 Tekken's in an interesting place because like you said, they started doing frame data DLC because the fans were demanding it so much to try and keep up with um, those conversations that are happening in the fighting genre. Um, and, you know, Tekken 7 brought in movies from Street Fighter, like you had sort of character-specific cutaway animation finishes and things like that. So they are in like a weird space where it's almost like Street Fighter versus Tekken, which we've had that literal crossover yeah. in years past. But that kind of allowed Mortal Kombat to like take off on its own and NetherRealm to be this like massive deal. And then now we're getting another Mortal Kombat instead of Infamous 3, according to like leaks or whatever. And so it's just kind of interesting because I feel like to some degree, Street Fighter is like de facto the king when Sega care. And so like this feels like they're going to get their crown back because Street Fighter 5 was just such a terrible launch. It was so empty. Um, it was just an esports platform. And, they, you know, it was, they were filling characters with uh, stickers to put on them and everything because yeah. they were just advertising brands. And so this time, you know, they've got out there, they've showed the single player, which wasn't on the demo that I did. But they just want to remind people that, like, almost anyone can pick up a Street Fighter. It's one of the most accessible fighting games ever. Um, and it's just, I feel, I feel like this nails it. Like, we had such an immediate good time with it, um, mainly because it's absolutely gorgeous. Like, it was just one of those things where you just want to play as the rock 
roster just to see what they look like in motion. Yeah. Like this animation is like next level. Like it's just absolutely beautiful. Um, and especially when you factor in all the finishes and everything. Like yeah, Street Fighter Six. I um, it's uh, the rest of this year has got a lot of good stuff coming. Tell me this. Go um, on before we move on from Street Fighter Six. Yes. How good is the facial hair technology? Because I know Ooh. that the new characters, oh no, the returning characters, mm. Ken and Ryu, if I if I recall correctly, yes. have beards this time around. <laughs> well, so Ryu got a beard in uh, Street Fighter Five. Ken right. has been completely overhauled for this one. Okay. And um, they've changed his move set around and stuff as well. Um, I lied. I've for whatever reason I've always gravitated more to, towards Ken than Ryu. It's that weird, stupid feeling of like I don't want to play as Mario in Mario Kart. I don't want to <laughs> play as Ryu in Street Fighter. But then Ken is like a duplicate of Ryu anyway. But then for this one, they've tried to like flesh him out and differentiate him. He still has um, the Shoryuken and he still has like the backward spinning kick that's always kind of been his thing. Um, but overall, his moves are different and like his finisher is different and like stuff like that. Um, but yeah. I forgot what you asked me, to be honest. Oh, just about the beards. It was just a little bit. Beards, yes. Yeah. Beards, I like them. But uh, yeah, in regards to um, Ken and stuff, he does have like um, floppy sort of Paul Phoenix Tekken 4 hair yeah. uh, with a big beard as well. And um, yeah, I think in that regard, because they're so like anime infused, like I said, it's big chunky chunks of hair. It's not flowing Tress Effects Tomb Raider hair to, uh, <laughs> to get specific about game hair uh, overall. Um, but yeah, one last thing, super, super quick I'm going to mention is Planet of Lana. Played a little bit of that. Um, gave me um, the boy in his blob vibes. Okay. I don't know if you've played Boy in His Blob. No. About a little alien that you feed I'm jelly beans. Not even going to pretend to bluff. I haven't lost my mind, but I would never have guessed that premise. There's a little platformer. It was made years ago. They remade it in like the 2000s called The Boy in His Blob and he plays a little boy and, a, and an alien comes to Earth and um, and the little boy's got jelly beans and you feed the alien different coloured jelly beans and it makes the alien turn into like a ladder or a, a helicopter or an umbrella or whatever and then you use that to solve puzzles yeah. and every time you give it a jelly bean it opens its mouth up and it goes hom. It's great. I, like I said, right? Um. I've not eaten yet today. And I'm, I've only had some coffee, man. And I feel like your description of that. Yeah. Am, I dr- am I dreaming? Am, <laughs> is this real? Like, what's going on? Are you doing a bit? Are you pulling um. my leg? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm only referencing one of the cutest platformers of all time. That's what Planet of Lana reminded me of. Right. Because um, you're a little boy. You're looking after a very rotund cat okay. uh, who seems to have otherworldly abilities. And you're just sort of solving puzzles, side-scrolling platformer. Um, reminded me a little bit of Heart of Darkness on the PS1, which is a very deep cut for some people. Um, but it's kind of got a Studio Ghibli art aesthetic as well, which is very uh, very appealing. I want to play a lot more of it. Okay. Um, and I feel like when it was just kind of at the show, coming off Sonic and Street Fighter, and then sitting down for a really lovely, gorgeous, pastel-style platformer, I was like, I'm going to have to come back to this when I've come down more, because <laughs> Street Fighter is over there and I can go play it again. Um, so there's that. We should transition, though, into uh, a little bit of news, because a Silent Hill has finally been confirmed, or at least shown <laughs> on the Koreans ra- Korean rating board. Yeah, man, it feels like we are inching ever closer to an official reveal for mm-hmm. some kind of Silent Hill game. Like you said, uh, this was picked up by Gamatsu this morning mm. because Silent Hill, the short message, as it is subtitled, uh, was rated in Korea and we don't know anything um, else about the game apart from you know the leaker Dusk Golem. I a- do. A- the aesthetic gamer who has r- leaked a lot of reliable um, Silent Hill information mm-hmm. in the past. Actually had something to do with God of War Ragnarok's trailer having uh. fragments of that on their <laughs> YouTube account or something a few weeks ago. Anyway, the mm-hmm. point is, often related to survival horror games, they posted a, an apparent screenshot from this uh, game with an SMS screen. Like, apparently this oh, is yeah. a first person experience and one of the mechanics is going to be based around you know having like a cell phone which I guess references the subtitle the short message because apparently you're getting like these creepy messages as you play the game but obviously just going off that subtitle itself as well a lot of people have been hypothesizing that this might be an imminent teaser in the similar vein 
in a similar vein as a PT, you know, mm-hmm, they might mm-hmm. be trying to capture lightning in a bottle again, doing something similar with that. And that would be very exciting if yes. after all of these years of rumors and waiting that we get actual hands-on experiences <laughs> with a new Silent Hill game, or at uh, least a teaser for the next game, sooner rather than later. Well, you mentioned um, how long we've been working together. I feel like we've been mentioning Silent Hill rumors and leaks for about that long, yeah. if not before then, in text form, when we were just doing articles and stuff. Because, um, yeah, this has been a long time coming. Like, PT was 2014, and uh, we're almost going to come up on 10 years of waiting for the next proper Silent Hill. Um, however, in mentioning that um, the phone stuff that you said, I forget which of the many leaks slash rumors there have been, but one of them did mention the idea of using your actual phone to send you stuff. Yeah. Um, because it's a, it's a Sound Hill downpour, um, or maybe Shattered Memories. One of the two um, used the Wiimote as a phone. Shattered Memories, yeah. Right. And it's I love that idea. I love the idea of kind of like, you know, that whole idea of like your uh, controller is haunted or it's playing into it or whatever. If you can walk that line and do it well, um, that can be extremely effective horror. And so, yeah. you know, if you want to do some sort of app thing that you put the push notifications on, whatever you do, so you don't have to go into the app um, and your phone can just be part of the experience. Uh, I think that's a really fun way to go. I agree, man. I'm here for gimmicks like that. You know, <laughs> I used to have so much fun playing um, PC horror games that mm. were incredibly rudimentary, but would do things like pretend to crash your computer right. or give you a pop-up message that's like apparently from the, the monster in the game. Yeah, exactly like Metal Gear 2, mm-hmm. where like, you get these fourth wall uh, breaking scenes and kind of like these added layers of immersion by using, uh, you know, real life apps mm-hmm. or peripherals that you're pu- uh, plugging into the game and mm-hmm. stuff. So that's a cool thing in my opinion. But yeah, like you said, you know, the rumors previously have, have suggested that there are two Silent Hill games in production, <laughs> one being a remake of Silent Hill 2 and another being this new game that's apparently like based in Britain and is about yeah. sort of like bullying and stuff. It's, it's very vague, but I like the idea of having two um, different takes in this franchise after so long having no updates on it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. There was also mention of like a Telltale style game at some point. Like yes. that was before the Silent Hill 2 remake got confirmed. It's because Bluebird's putting that together. That was, if I am recalling my leaks correctly, apparently, and I might be getting slight mm-hmm. details of this wrong, but uh-huh. I think it was the Until Dawn team, Supermassive Games, who pitched a Silent Hill game or... Yes. Konami pitched a game to them and it didn't eventually end up happening but yeah obviously that would have been presumably more in the guise of Mm. Until Dawn or that one that came out this year what was that game? Uh, the Quarry. That's the one. You loved that game. I really did. I did not, but it's, it's still a, a, an indication of what you could do if you were going to do a Silent Hill with a bigger budget, Telltale yeah. style. Um, but yeah, Silent Hill's in such an interesting place. I feel like the like everyone knows that name. It was always Resident Evil and Silent Hill, and Resi's only doing you know, bigger and better games, so it's like, why not do the more psychological horror side and do a Silent Hill to go alongside it? Totally, man, and I really hope that you know they lean more into the psychological horror side of it in mm. almost more walk and simulator style gameplay like mm. obviously Silent Hill is, has always had combat but to me in games like Silent Hill 1 to and to an extent 3 like the combat felt like it was just there by obligation like kind it of. could be fun but it was nowhere near as solid or integral to the experience in my opinion as Resi's combat no I, I was going to say when, any, when anyone including us talks about Silent Hill they never mention the combat no. like it was I mean I vaguely remember hitting like a zombie nurse with a 2x4 or whatever <laughs> it's nothing like it was I would, like you said I'd rather just take that out yeah. do something more unique like even like Fatal Frame where you're sort of 
you are doing damage, but you have to wait for the creature to get as close to you as possible. Do some sort of psychological horror element that like lets you stare the creature in the face to be able to weaken it or something like that. Totally. Um, that would be cool. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens with Silent Hill. Um, I've not actually looked up any comparisons in regards to when something shows up on the Koreans' ratings board when that then led to a reveal or something. So maybe there's something imminent. Um, his history dictates that things happen when we record podcasts. So <laughs> maybe it's already out. I don't even know. It could, be, true. could be on our screens right now. Well, I'm hoping for Scott yes. Telford before you uh, potentially wrap this up. I'm not sure. Not if just got yet. One thing. Not just yet. We've got yet. more to come, have we? Yeah. Is that, you know, I'm hoping in my dream of dreams mm. that we get a big PlayStation showcase because they haven't done one all year. We've had state of players, but we've not had a yeah, Microsoft yeah. style or an E3 style event from them. Mm. And I hope finally they reveal this Silent Hill game. And I hope they say available now, Silent Hill, the short <laughs> message, go to the PlayStation store and jump in, attach your phones app, get scared. <laughs> I, that's, that's what I want to happen, but it won't because I've said it out loud. Jim Ryan ringing you on the phone. Are you excited yet? Hey, <laughs> I've got all these games. We're putting up the price of the PS5. <laughs> that's the real horror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the uh, that's the horrifying reality of being a PlayStation fan. Um, but yeah, next thing or the thing I want to end on um, is not my podcast about uh, making sure that all my uh, clothing is folded properly. It's an Iron Man game. Oh my. Yeah. God. <laughs> I cannot believe you've done that. I wish we ended the podcast I now. read upon you the day saying that time flies like an arrow, fruit flies like a banana, and it was <laughs> it was a brilliant time. Um, anyway, the Iron Man... <laughs> <laughs> oh man five hours sleep my friends um, the Iron Man game has actually been confirmed by uh, EA it's actually being in production by EA Motive who are the Star Wars Squadrons people however the interesting thing is that the game's headed up by Olivier it's Olivier Prulks but I'm not sure if the X is actually sh- like a shush like Prulch oh okay something like that yeah. um, that dude was the executive producer on Guardians of the Galaxy now that has to be the single single most overlooked narrative game of the last good few years and I feel like that game has such a good um um, you know, what it feels like to have a crew, to have a bunch of friends and to fall back on your friends and get through this life together. I feel like the Guardians game nailed that. Um, and so, yeah, that dude was the executive producer on the Guardians game and he's heading up the new Iron Man game. I don't know what kind of crossover there is there necessarily, but in terms of being able to sort of front the Guardians game with narrative, yeah. almost to a Mass Effect degree. I, I compare Guardians to Mass Effect 2 all the time. Yes, totally. And I mean, that's exciting for me because, you know, what you want, at least I think what most people want from mm. Marvel games uh, on top of, you know, really solid mechanics is just really good characterization, really good world building. Mm. And you want Tony Stark in this game to be compelling. And in my opinion, not just another Robert Downey Jr. ripoff. Like you don't want to just be imitating what, in my opinion, what has worked in the movie universe. So hopefully we get an interesting Iron Man world with Mm -hmm. these creatives on board that isn't just repeating stuff that we have already seen. Because one of the great things about Guardians of the Galaxy is the person personalities of the team were of course familiar to anyone who had seen mm. the movies but the designs were you know more unique the worlds that you were going to were colorful and vibrant and mm-hmm. you're getting all of these sub stories like you said mass effect 2 style so i kind of hope that the world of tony stark and iron man in this game gets to be fleshed out in the same way and it's not just you know iron man 2 on the xbox 360 where you're <laughs> flying around uh warehouses and blowing up you know military missiles redirecting your power to your chest so yes. you can do one decent blast. Yes. Yeah, I think if they can make it so that you care about why you're putting on 
the armor or what the armor represents from a narrative point of view. Like maybe he's hiding behind it. If they bring in the um, the alcoholism angle that's always been in the comics um, or something like that, I feel like there's way more ground to cover. Like, you know, Iron Man or Tony Stark is such a solo character. Like by default, he's sort of like this solo flyer dude other than Pepper Potts that I kind of just, I want a bit more, like I said, I want to care about why am I Iron Man? I want the duality of that character. Yeah. Um, you know, something like, um, as a comparison, like the Telltale Batman game made you care about what Batman, what being Batman meant to Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And uh, I like that idea of like going down that route. Uh, one thing to finish on is um, just that they have said that this is the first of several new Marvel games, which I think could just be um, going alongside the Captain America Black Panther game. But what do you think of the the sort of renewed love that Marvel has for video games um, many years after it should have been? That's <laughs> the issue, was isn't it? Flow. Like it should have been years ago yeah. that these games were coming out and were given the time and the resources that they are being given right now. Like mm-hmm. to me, I'm I'm going to get an Iron Man game be made by Motive because of course I am, but I wouldn't <laughs> have announced it right now. Like mm-hmm. they even admit that it's incredibly early in development. It's still in the pre-production phase. They're still filling out their team to build the game yeah. in itself. This is years away from actually releasing. Mm-hmm. And there's only so much excitement I can muster for an Iron Man game that only exists as a press release. That was my thing with the cat right game. That was, that's, yeah. some, that's some fine art, but... Dude, yeah. I, I'm wondering whether like this is more mandate on Marvel's part to kind of start drumming mm. up excitement now and to kind of start laying the groundwork and the expectation that they're going to be releasing games over the next few years because otherwise it seems incredibly strange for yeah. these studios to just announce these games so early on with such little fanfare mm. and just being like, yeah, we've got these games in development. Uh, see you in five years. It's like, I mean, even the Wolverine game was just like, here's a logo and a, a claw, but it's a CG thing. Like, yeah. it wasn't really much to go off. I wonder if there's just this trend right now, um, you know, you look at the way the MCU will plan out multiple years in advance and to make sure everyone knows what we've got coming. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you saw Ubisoft kind of MCU-ify their Assassin's Creed rollout where it's like, well, here's the next four years of Assassin's Creed. I wonder whether they, for whatever reason, executives just think that's what we want. I mean, Todd Howard did that with, uh, you know, we're going to do um, Fallout and we're going to do Elder Scrolls and that's that's us for the next 10 years. And no, it's I've, like, yeah. I think that's massively, like, boring because then I know what you're doing for the next 10 years. Yes. But still. No, me too. And I, I agree. I do think it's kind of a Marvel... Um, approach, mm. looking at their movie approach and their TV approach, how they, like you said, you know, lay out all of the phases in advance, mm. you know exactly what's coming. It does feel like that is trickling down because even if we look at the start of this initiative, um, back when the Guardians of the Galaxy game was announced and the Avengers game was mm. announced, like they initially were also just kind of like one line press releases. True. The Guardians game, especially, we were writing about that on the website for years before I got a first trailer mm. because they confirmed that it existed and then we got no updates on it until the <laughs> year it was coming out. So they've been kind of strange with these game announcements and it does kind of, to me, indicate that they are quite new mm. to this field and are trying to implement a lot of their movie know-how and mm. that might work or it might not, but it's going to be a big, a bigger gamble because you have mm. to wait longer for games than you do movies. True, and it's like that thing of like, yeah, how much hype can you get off a logo? How much hype can you get off the idea of something? Because then you have a whole, you're trying match the game to whatever runaway idea of it has has emerged across the two years or three years it takes for you to actually put some stuff together. Like you said, though, you know, a AAA game, average game, like average dev length is about five years. Yeah. So uh, I guess we'll see how they turn it around and depending on whatever pre- whatever engine stuff they have access to, maybe they can speed it up or something. Um, for now, though, this has been the wind-up. Sonic Frontiers is really good. I'm Scott Tailford. You're Josh Brown. We'll see. We'll see in a few months, Scott Tailford. <laughs> until then, it's always, always a pleasure to do this podcast with you. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you fruit fries like a banana catch you next time (laughs) oh I hate fruit flies so much bye oh
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.